0: Hello, and this is April Ramey of Antler Alchemy.
1: Hello, this is Daryl Graham with Black uh, with Black with Plants.
0: And we're a Relationship with Plants, and we're here today on the fifth episode, and we're really excited to speak today and have this conversation. And you know, just like we always do, this is a very fluid, open conversation, and. Um, Surreal, you were talking a little bit with me about your body embodiment. And I thought this would be a really great topic for us to speak about. And so my question for you, just to get right into it, because I want to leave time for all the juicy, juicy understandings, is my question for you is, have you seen a difference in who you were and what you think about your body from before and then until now? And if so, was there a turning point and why?
1: I think it has been a journey, definitely figuring out who I am, both as um, a person with personhood, but also as a complicated, dynamic, sentient being. Uh, mind, body, soul uh, has sometimes challenged me in ways that um, have made life appear very difficult. And I think during those moments of disembodiment, uh, pleasure and sensations that uh, traditionally give people positive uh, bodily feedback, it was hard for me to register. And I do consider a time period of my life as uh, a large chapter of my life with me going in and out of fog. And I think the fog uh, represents mental dissonance, cognitive um, dissonance, but also this Concept of fearing God, this fear of God mm. can sometimes cloud our judgment and make it hard for us to decipher moments. Because uh, when you have cultivated faith and curiosity behind spirituality, when you're in situations that, through a spiritual lens, may uh, be perceived as carnal or secular that maybe serves as white noise for some people, but it definitely made decisions seem like decisions in my life. And when you consider stigma and taboo associated with black bodies, not considering my profile, but uh, keeping it to my story, I identify as a cisgendered, heterosexual male. I have um, this idea of masculinity. I've been trying intentionally to decolonize so that toxic masculinity isn't my pattern. Um, Mm -hmm. And again, understanding has been the true... bedrock for me trying to understand who I am uh, not just in the physical aesthetic not just with the um impulses and the urges and uh the desires like all of that makes me who I am I'm like a, a intersection of many things and outside of the fog but still uh holding close this fear of God, I do see myself differently. And when I'm able to place value on my physical body and to really um, be okay, to spend my lifetime understanding how to uh, be engaged with intimacy intentionally uh, in ways that lead to pleasure, not just for my own regard, but for the woman that consents to uh embrace that intimacy with me if just for that one moment or a series of moments or however our life may uh interface us but yeah I, i don't think it was one thing that clouded my judgment around how to be in my body or how to uh um uh participate in uh pleasure um I think there was a lot of conditioning and um, like falsehoods that obscured relationship building, um, not just with um, uh, an individual, but really myself. Uh, hearing the um, chatter growing up around ideas of manhood or masculinity when, when you're younger, filtering it can be challenging. So to read it as toxic, it may take, you know, it may be a while to process that. But now I think I have um, sensitivity to um, harm, uh, especially done in uh, closed spaces around uh, acts of pleasure and intimacy. Um, I also know it was insecurity. I, I I struggle today uh, really honoring my, my body in ways that give me confidence to uh, really stand on my own two feet and be proud of my hairy chest, for example. Uh, <laughs> I, think, I think that's something to be proud of. You I think know? so, too. I shouldn't wear shame because of standards around beauty, especially the fabricated standards around beauty in this country. And as we talk, you're helping me see the different complications, <clears throat> the, the different projections uh, throughout my life that have made it difficult for me to see myself um, as a... Person uh, capable but also um, uh, that should be receptive to you know these thoughts that we have i I might be speaking for myself, and maybe you have had these thoughts too, but there are days now in my adult life, and now with this decolonized practice of caring for myself i I want uh to indulge in these thoughts that are. Um, like smutty or uh, like that like make my body behave and like fatty, you know, like I want to be sensual, not just in the month of Pisces, uh, <laughs> uh, but there there are moments I want to really uh live out what my brain is uh gravitating towards, and my heart and my bodily organs are gravitating towards, but i uh repress those urges or those impulses uh, I think sometimes in, in security sometimes in uh, like world conditioning and societal conditioning uh, but also because of this um, true um, commitment to uh, like I want to enter a space and be myself and not feel shame and I think you, oh well. I imagine I I want <clears throat> this conscious conscious relationship that we talked about in the last episode to come into play. And sometimes when I'm feeling very body, I don't know the young woman or the uh, my my peer, and and she should be revered, and I should take all the steps to get to know her in ways. That are meaningful, you know, before shooting my shot to do something uh, that leads to penetrative sex or not, you know. Um, So yeah, it's complicated. I think as an adult, um, with my profile, with my understandings, with my growing and changing ideology around sex, and um, yeah, I I don't know if I always feel safe to be full throttle, smutty, thotty, horny. In every sense of the way, I don't mean that in a joking manner. Like, I, yeah, of course. I yeah. maybe sound calm right now because I'm trying to contain enthusiasm until <laughs> uh, we both are able to contribute to today's episode. But yeah, sometimes I think a lot of it comes from not knowing if it's safe to hmm. be de-real and to, with consent, of course, embrace myself. and. A woman fully uh, regardless if we edge or orgasm or penetrate or not you know
0: yeah so there's like a lot of things I love that you said is you know one right I really think about this and I I think about these type of things because as a woman sometimes I wonder you know what the hell are some of these dudes coming from when they step to me And then there's some guys where I'm like, why aren't they trying to be out there more, you know, like (laughs) moves on me because I think they're awesome and amazing. And one of the things is like that I'm hearing from you is, and that I wanted to touch on is like this idea of that toxic mas- masculinity that is grown up with. And I loved how you were like, when you're younger as a male, you don't even really understand that it's toxic because you're just like watching your elder uncles or your father or your friends or older friends kind of act in these manners, cousins and family members. And you kind of begin to think, like, oh, maybe this is the way it is. And then there's this whole de-learning and re- like dismantling that program and then you know there's just a turning point right so you realize that that's not the way that you really want to perceive and, per- and like put yourself out in the world when it comes to the opposite sex the same sex whatever because even if you are a trans man or a woman who veers more on the side of masculinity we're still dealing with the toxic masculine cultural ways, right? So wanting to be perceived more as masculine may end up veering on the side of some toxicity because of what is perceived as masculine, right, in our world. And I love that, like, once you had that turning point, right, now it's like, you know, there's this concept of like, that you're saying that I'm feeling and I'm hearing is like, you want to feel safe, and, like, you hear that from women, too. You know, you hear that from other people who are, who are feeling into their feminine. They want to feel safe to be in that. And so it's one of those things that, like, I think this is one of those moments where it's, like, okay, wanting to feel safe to express who you are and to feel who you are essentially embodied, empowered, like, and in, in that, and, like, in your expression of who you are, a lot of us, and human beings in general, want to feel safe right? It's like, this idea of safety is there. And how do you create a safe container for yourself so that you can express that? How do you find people who belong in your safe container? And then how do you find people who are going to provide you a safe container to be like, yeah, you know what, you could be derailed. You know, and I think that's kind of like, why you and I even have this podcast to begin with, because both you and I feel safe with one another and to like, just go deep into these conversations. And I feel like, you know, the reason why I wanted to make that point about what you said and really, and really like let our listeners know that that's something that you said that's super important is because a lot of times people want to put these things into gender roles and it's not, it's a human thing, right? To want to feel safe to wanna be able to express yourself. And I was thinking about it recently and it's almost as if in some ways, I feel as though culturally we're coming back to this place where, okay, if you think about it, like in the 60s and 70s, right? It was like all like free love, like let's have free love, blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm saying? And then the 80s happened, AIDS happened, crises happened, like a bunch of things that like, put the lid on that freedom of expression, right? And not that that freedom of expression was in its purity and was the best form of it, but it was, you know, people trying to reclaim that part of them. And I think that from what I see, um, and it could just be because I have, you know, tend to see to be a little bit on the smuttier side as well. But I see a lot more sexual content being exposed in a way of trying to normalize it in the sense of it being more of like, this is beautiful, this is amazing, this is sensual, this is sexual, but we're also not shaming it we're not putting it on a pedestal and we're not, we're not doing this because we're just focused on sex. We're focused on like the deeper meaning of it. And in a way I was thinking the other day, how we're kind of back in this like love revolution, right? Like how do we bring freedom out? How do we become that those people? what our generations before attempted without getting squelched by the patriarchy or the programming and being pushed back down, right? Like this time we hopefully will just rise out of it. I went on a little tangent there, but.
1: It's important for you to platform uh, your truth. And I feel encouraged that, uh, this podcast is giving us an opportunity to use our voice and to voice our concerns. It's not just environmental or behavioral. Um, There are some universal uh, elements involved to uh, really interpret our behavior. And I hope that we can shine some light on uh, ways of knowing and being ourselves and each other that are not rooted in uh, european nomenclature or uh, western ideology especially western ideology uh, wedged in the hegemony or the patriarchy or sexism or religion or religion yeah (laughs) and that's a challenge too it takes um, some courage and some guts to discern Uh, And all we're doing right now is trying to uh, understand, as you led with earlier, understand each other, understand how can we affirm each other uh, over the air in communication, but also in uh, um, spaces that we share and time uh, when we align. And maybe we can think about that a little bit more. And if you want to also... uh, we can also give you some uh, space to uh, maybe articulate some of the ways uh, recently or in your past, just the knowing and the ability to be yourself, how that has um, maybe left some positive memories of uh, um, intimacy or pleasure for yourself or um, shared
0: yeah. I was thinking still on the masculine. <laughs> I was still thinking thinking still on your experience. before we go to me, I wanted to ask you another question. If sure. you' yeah. with that.: Yeah, cool. So when you had that turning point and you felt as though um, now you're stepping into wanting to feel safe and be in these areas of really understanding your body. Then what, what did you like? Cause I loved how you were talking about the hair on your chest and it's mm. kind of interesting, right? Because it's like, I don't think a lot of people, if you're not in a male body or attempting to, or like having a male experience, a masculine experience in the world, they don't, I don't think a lot of people understand um, the pressures that are put on a man, like, cause everyone talks about the pressures of a woman, you know, like have their weight and they have to look a certain way, but the pressures is a man. So is there a pressures to like shave your hair? Is there a pressures to be a certain way? Like, what are those pressures and where are you finding yourself? Like letting down those guards to be who you fully are?
1: Right on. I am fortunate to have had Um, a parental unit um, that uh, made available content that showcased beauty, um, creativity, resilience, innovation outside of um, the mainstream. I grew up with Jet Magazine, Ebony Magazine. Uh, On our coffee table, I grew up with a black Jesus on the wall. I, I grew up with our media reflecting um, the Black experience, the Black social life, the African diaspora. So, that in itself allowed for certain benchmarks to help me see myself early. Uh, I think one inhibitor, even with the, the myriad. Uh, artifacts and cultural transference happening in my development and even in my adult life. I think, uh, again, patriarchy and white supremacy culture <clears throat> can impede our judgment in a way when we start policing ourselves. A lot of my uh, caring for my body, like in the bathroom, for example, I, I, I was shaving my chest. I was uh, reducing the hair in my pubes and removing the hair under my arms, thinking that I was more barbaric if I let my, uh, my bodily hair uh, grow unmanaged or unmanaged uh, unfrequently, you know?
0: Or um, looked unmanaged to the uns- to the untrained eye
1: <laughs> right 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 so I, 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 I have required uh, um, some encouragement from peers um, in my uh, radical uh, circle of care um, I haven't uh, worn deodorant since 2014 2015 uh, because of the encouragement of uh, up here, and they helped me decolonize some of my toiletry shopping and habits around caring for self in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, w- I was thinking I needed to wear deodorant. I needed to mask the smell. And then they helped me realize I didn't even know my body smell. <laughs> what was I masking? Did I need to mask? And I actually grew, have grown to love my, I guess it would be called body smell, right? Your um, it, it, I'm delighted by my body smell because I've grown accustomed to uh, treating myself um, with, with care um, mm-hmm. and making sure what's touching me topical, what's going on my body. And it's been a slow marathon for me. I, I'm really proud of myself for not wearing... Uh, deodorant. And I bring that up to say that's when I also made the shift to n- no longer cut my armpit hairs. Um, and I, I haven't in years. And now I have gray, white, blonde, black underarm hairs. And I sometimes it's a joy to see in the sunlight. <laughs> uh, but I wouldn't be at this point of fascination if I didn't take a step back, settle and understand that I am. And that's enough. And my hair is enough. The, the body smell that I produce, it's natural. That's enough. When, it's, when it becomes unnatural and too much, I'll shower. <laughs> I'll, or, or I'll go into the sink, pat, 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 wipe, wipe, you know.
0: Right, uh, yeah. Deodorize
1: naturally, right? Uh, right just lower yeah. the smell. Um, <laughs> so that um, interest to not police my body made growing chest hair less frustrating it made growing a beard uh, less frustrating and a lot of my ways are my act of protest for personhood uh, for humanity uh, for autonomy agency and and sovereignty Uh, but it, it took me a while to enjoy my body in its natural form I, I was convinced early by commercials, not just on television screens, but there's a commercial lifestyle represented in city culture, rural culture, um, these fashion. locations of exclusion. Yeah, there. Yeah, f- fashion is an example. It will condition you to think convenience products are the best ways for returning to this uh, like positive cycle of caring for self. I I, I feel. Like the more I've removed myself from the commercial way of caring for self, I don't even use the word grooming. I don't even like thinking about the word grooming when I'm um, caring for my dog. We, we, we don't need to be groomed in, in my uh, vantage point. I feel like that implies that we need something outside of ourselves, something uh, manufactured, something with chemicals that are toxic, something that was man-made. Uh, and unnatural.
0: Yeah. Love it. Yeah, I remember when I decided my hair journey, because obviously for females, we have a very intense hair requirements. And my whole life, I've been the hairiest thing I could ever remember. And I remember in middle school being made fun of for being hairy. I didn't even have tits yet. Like, I had a bunch of hair and no boobs. So, Mm -hmm. Everyone made fun of me for being flat chested and for having hairy legs. And my mom was like, no, you don't shave. You know, I'm kind of similar to you. I'm really lucky that I grew up with the images in my home were of strong black females. Uh, My grandma was that Um, when I went to church, luckily my mom, not luckily, but I'm just going to say my mom kept me out of the church life that was condemning. She kept me in the Catholic church, which was opposite of all of her sisters and brothers who went into the Baptist, but my grandma was Catholic. And so mm. I was in the Catholic church with my grandma, but she's Black and Native American. And I ended up, when we would go into church, my grandma, I would be like, what are we doing here? And we called her Big Mommy. Big Mommy would be like, you're here to speak to God. Like you're supposed to have your own relationship to him. And she would always be like, don't let anyone tell you what he's telling you. Like, this is your relationship with the higher power. And she even told me, she's like, you don't even have to believe that it's a man or a woman. It's, it's beyond all of that. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I was lucky like you to grow up in all of these experiences where it was supposed to be natural. My mom is like, stay natural. She never permed her hair. Um, She never relaxed her hair. She just let it be what it was. Um, But my mom still, because she worked in the corporate environment, still conformed in ways to the cultural norms, right? Even though she didn't shave, um, I find out now, like when I decided to stop, I'm kind of going all over the place. But when I decided to stop shaving, I remember my mom saw me one day and she's like, oh. She's like, well, I am guess you're just going to let it all be there, huh? And I was like, yeah. I told her, I said, you're the one who told me not to shave. She's like, yeah, but you're way hairier than I am. <laughs> and so she, you know, like, even though she wasn't a person who believed in shaving, she didn't realize how much hair I was going to have on my body, you know, when she was promoting this to me as a young person. But being made fun of, obviously, you know, I stole razors from my dad and I shaved when I was younger without my parents knowing because I I didn't want to be made fun of. And it was such a cumbersome thing, shaving all the time. I literally am the equivalent of a man who has the five o'clock shadow, right? Like they shave in the morning and then their beard is already there in the afternoon. That's how I am in my body. Like I shave in the morning and all the hair is pretty much back at the end of the day. And it just became like this whole tedious process that really made no sense. And I wasn't really appeasing anyone. And that's not to say that I did not enjoy having a nicely fre- fre- freshly shaven legs because they were nice and smooth. And, you know, I really like when. Um, like my legs are shaven, uh, the, de- the definition that you can see of my muscles, you know, I, I like that. It's like really cool, you know, I'm like, ooh, you can really tell I'm muscular. <laughs> so that was kind of like a thing for me. But, uh, and then I ended up going into waxing, like, um Natural waxing, Brazilian waxing, which I think is the greatest when you have a natural Brazilian. And I have this 81-year-old, 82-year-old Brazilian waxer in D.C., and she's just from Brazil. She uses all organic, you know, no strips, whatever. And I got into doing Brazilians and, and taking care of myself around my pussy and everything like that and doing all of that. And I was a swimmer for 14 years, too, so, like, you definitely had to manage your hair when you were swimming, um so there was just a lot around that and I remember when I realized I don't have a job but even when I did have the job I stopped shaving that's when I stopped shaving I was still I still had my corporate job um but I just realized I was like you know what I'm just kind of over it and it would be winter time and you know you'd kind of like some girls do this you like let the winter time legs roll in because you're just wearing long pants and whatever you're not really showing your legs that much So, and then I just, one spring, I was just like, I'm not going to do it anymore. And I just stopped. And then from there, then it was the armpits. And I stopped wearing deodorant long before I stopped shaving. Um, I personally have a really intense, strong pheromone body odor is what they call it, BO. And there's a bad connotation for BO, but BO just stands for body odor. And I have a really strong body odor and, but it's so crazy because I will, it's very polarizing. I don't know if this happens to you, Daryl, but it's very polarizing mm-hmm. for me. Like some people are like, whoa, you smell so bad. And then other people are like, they can't get enough. They, I literally have people come up to me who, who I know who just come up to me to smell me. Mm. because they're so infatuated with that odor (laughs) and it's interesting because i realize that the people who are who are really standoffish about my odor i actually don't really like them that much Mm. they're kind of people who not that i don't dislike them but they're they're people that i'm like i either somewhat tolerate or whatever um, but I do attempt my hardest to work with my odor and smell because I work with such a plethora of people. I don't want to turn off people that I like to work with, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, an easy fix for me. Sorry for cutting you off. No, it's good. When I'm um, maybe a day or two unshowered, but unbothered by my uh, natural body odor, I'll just splash a little bit of rose water and feel... So good about that decision. Walk away, um, yeah, feeling refreshed. There's a lot of herbal remedies. Um, oh yeah, I for use that pill managing pill. our our body odor, and maybe we can touch on that later. Yeah, I wanted to also uh, say that. Um, yeah, I. I'm glad we both are sharing that this getting to know oneself. Doesn't stop, <laughs> and I think that's one thing you've helped me remember. Uh, I I always think, oh, I've hit this certain stage in my life, I've got it. But now <laughs> I'm at the point where I'm like, I I am constantly a student of myself. I'm a constant student of my friendships. I'm a constant student of the relationships that are meaningful to me, and that role of student teaches me to bring myself and to be myself and try not to allow cognitive dissonance or bigotry or prejudice or racism um, silo me away from um, community and collective wellness and opportunities to do exactly what you said spend time in our bodies Mm -hmm. to embrace our quirks our quiddities the hair that uh, um, grows everywhere, right? Um.
0: Yeah, and it's still self, I still get really self-conscious sometimes. Like, you know, I think about these things. Like, I'm going to be going to meet up with some friends at the beach and I don't shave and they have kids and they're I don't know who their family is, you know? And I'm just like, oh my God, like I'm going to the beach and, you know, I don't, bikini waxes I don't do any of that and I'm a hairy person and it's always like really actually people are like oh you're so brave you have so much courage and I'm like I'm sometimes actually still self-conscious about it I mean it's been three four years but I still get kind of self-conscious about it because I'm really not trying to turn people off from me because I made these choices. I want to just be, like you said, feel safe to be who I am. It's not like, because I don't mind if people decide that they feel as though they have to shave. I'm not sitting there judging anyone if their legs are shaven or not. So when I feel like maybe I might be getting judged by those things, sometimes it gets a little self-conscious or a little insecure. I can feel that way because it's just like, I want to have the freedom to be able to be what's comfortable for me and quite frankly managing all this hair care is just a waste (laughs) it's really a waste (laughs) of my time i have so many other things to do in my life and i like my hair
1: and you're uh speaking on liberation we become uh, bondaged by societal norms uh, mainstream calls what we do unconventional when we care for ourselves in natural ways or with ancestral ways of knowing and being in mind i think that's hilarious and i'm glad we can decenter some of these punitive ways of treating uh, indigenous knowledge and ancestral ways of Uh, caring for self and um, enjoying embodiment over the years I've had different experiences different teachable moments to help me understand techniques for deeper mind body spirit connection Mm. again I think that helps me to uh, enjoy embodiment in ways where I can practice kegels erect or not I can uh, really enjoy those moments of penetration penetrative sex or masturbation uh without um i might sometimes you know go through the uh mental wheelhouse of uh
0: just rub uh, it out
1: just like old (laughs) habits of thinking but i i'm getting better now of not uh, like you said earlier, you used the word um, condemn, not condemning myself from um, wanting to care for myself fully, even if it does require rubbing one out uh, or or taking a picture of myself nude and, uh, and um, um, gaining consent to send that photo to um, someone on a mobile device or just like I never, it was recently, maybe in the last couple of weeks, I never in my life recorded myself video real, real naked, like not with intention, not consciously. I was like, I wonder what that would be like, you know? And I think it goes back to what you are saying, me growing my confidence, growing this awareness of being present in my body. Mm -hmm. I, I did a year, years ago, I, Um, removed every mirror from my house What? Uh, and I lived for like three and a half years without a mirror in my house and it drove women crazy that would visit my bedroom and it really drove my mom crazy when she made her in frequent child check-in visits but anyway uh, (laughs) this this practice was really good for me because I got in the habit of not really caring about What I looked like right away in the morning. One of the first things I would do traditionally waking up would look in the mirror at myself before brushing my teeth, before relieving myself, before showering. And sometimes that first impression can leave a a longer, unpleasant impression. Uh, I wanted to exercise getting up and just really enjoying who I am, regardless of what I look like. So, again, a lot of my interests and curiosities around embodiment embodiment have little to do with like my physical aesthetic or appearance i can appear charming to one i can appear uh um unpleasant to one that matters to me not but it does matter to me um that i'm able to look in a mirror and feel safe you know <laughs>
0: Mm, yeah, uh,
1: I, I want to be able to look in a mirror and not have eyes of condemnation or eyes that are going to police myself with the same intentions as uh, a bigoted cop. You know, I, I wanted to train myself to look in the mirror, not to look for my blemishes, not to look for my scars, not to look for the stain in my shirt. But when I look in a mirror, it's just to say hello, it's to remind myself of those positive memories those communications and behaviors that have led me to the point where I am today. And that's going to push me forward.
0: I love that. That's beautiful. I don't know if I could ever go without mirrors. So I could. <laughs> like, yay. Round of applause for Julia <laughs>
1: <laughs> But I'm sure you've gone without, and that's the point of that story. Sometimes we have to I go have without,
0: without mirrors.
1: tools yeah. or traditional elements of our day to day. to help train our minds to be who we really are you know
0: yes definitely but i think that's a beautiful practice if, if one is able to do that i mean there has been times um like when i was in the jungles i didn't have mirrors And I would obviously like sometimes look at myself in my phone. My phone was on airplane mode, obviously. I didn't have any service or anything. It was just literally just so I could take photos of plants if I wanted to. Most of the time it was off. But I do have some random selfies. Like I'll take a, my favorite thing to do before I would go into situations like that is I would take a picture of myself before I walked into the jungle. Mm. And then I would take a picture sometimes maybe like partway through. And then I would take a picture of myself after I was ready to leave just to kind of see if anything changed, because, you know, you don't really look at, since you're not looking at yourself every day, you don't, you'll notice the changes more. And also Mm -hmm. you're also not seeing them. So.
1: Yeah. And you're right. Those moments in the jungle, those. uh, Opportunities to reframe our habits of temporarily or permanently moving a mirror. uh, Yeah. It just helps you not. Uh, hyper judge or hyper criticize oneself. our bodies are like flowers we bloom we open and we close every day so I I do want to encourage the listeners uh, of this podcast to share with us maybe in um, a comment on a recent post different ways that they uh, try to intentionally practice embodiment
0: Mm Yeah. I love it. Thanks for sharing. Some of the listeners might not know this, but Daryl's told me this once before that you were at one point, like really into fashion and had specific outfits and made sure (laughs) you were specific look at specific times.
1: Yeah. I would save lunch money to buy Double XL Magazine is a uh, hip-hop periodical uh, or the source. And I would would study the words because language is important. And I really do think some of those uh, outlets were our elders in communities that were predominantly white. Or sometimes when you are tokenized in different systems and institutions, you needed those type of outlets to Help you see where you could take things or where uh, we have taken things um, as we have evolved our uh, sensibilities around clothing ourselves for modesty purposes and for nudity purposes. But yeah, I used to really enjoy finding ways to dress myself and then go to spaces to see no one else wearing what I was wearing. Like, that was really fun. It was really fun. And I, by the time I was a teenager, if I went on a trip, I would go on trips as a young person, uh, as an athlete or a scholar or for just vacation. Some of the money that I would save from cutting grass or doing odds and end things for people, I would go to these different places, find the place that's selling hip hop gear and shoes, buy it there because I know that's a different marketplace and it's not gonna be available in my hometown and then come back home with it. Like, it was really fun. Uh, And I didn't do it to try to be vain or braggadocious. I was really trying to, it was my way of expressing my creativity. I didn't really talk to people the way we are talking on this podcast and in our um, unrecorded uh, conversations. And if I was in public spaces or spaces that intersected me with other individuals. I was trying to bring through a way of dress something that they didn't see. And if they were gonna bring prejudice or bigotry or some of those um, elements of violence that I endure now and have endured in my development, I wanted, again, the way I dressed myself to show them that I'm resilient and I'm not gonna let that uh, mistreatment or um, unwarranted judgment take away I am even if I am spending my cash and coin on petty garments
0: (laughs) I think fashion is very important but I don't think it's important in the sense of vanity. I think it's important to figure out what your, pers- what your point and your passion, your fashion is, right? And so yeah. I love that you said that it was so that you could walk in and show that you were resilient. And now your fashion may look different, but the point of your fashion is no different than before. You
1: right, know? right.
0: Yeah. It's more yep. of like, I'm showing now that like, I can live with less and I'm still resilient definitely still smart. I'm more than what I am on the outside. So I think that's the fun thing about fashion. And I think that's the fun thing people should remember when they're embodying themselves. It's like, this is supposed to be fun this is supposed to be life. This is supposed to be, you know, an opportunity to really know oneself and that's why being embodied is so important. And that's why what you look like is important, but it also is not important. It has everything to do more with, you know, your intention behind it, your intentionality, you know, are you a person who doesn't shave your armpits because you really like have a great thing about it? Or are you just not shaving your armpits because you think that's the fashion right? Or Um, that's totally different, right? Like, um, I just think it's really important to look at what we, who we are and why we're embodying certain things and to really look at it and be like, okay, am I embodying this because this is really what I want? Or is this something I've been programmed to believe? And that's on all spectrums, right? Like, am I programmed to believe that the only way you can look spiritual and, Um, that you're in this one way is by having like sacred geometry and tattoos and gauged earrings or whatever. And I know that like, I look like that, but that doesn't mean I have to be that way or look that way all the time for me to be a spiritual person. Um, So I think it works in all realms, right? Because like, there's There's people who will look at someone and think, "Oh, that person must be spiritual and have their life together, but in reality they don 't practice anything. they just know it's a fad, and they know that if they dress or look that way, they're more likely to find people in that category, which is okay. but you know it's just a matter of like what is your intention? what are you really trying to get across with your embodiment, and are you really embodied in yourself? And I think that the physical is a representation, but also a physical. Is just one part where the full embodiment of oneself. Those things will change and flow. For example, I'm I'm not a pink girl, but lately, like my nails have been done all like nude and pink, and um, you know every item or clothing I bought recently um, has been pink, and I'm like, what am I doing? Like what is going on, you know? And I, and and I'm like, am I doing this because I think I need to be pink or what is behind it? And I realized like, you know, for me, it's, I've been working on a lot of my softness and my femininity and it's just something that I guess I'm reclaiming Mm. and allowing to come back. And just be like in this place of feeling really good about it and just being like, yeah, I really like this. i like this pure simplicity. This actually matches me. This is kind of where I'm at in my space. And I don't think it makes me any less spiritual or any less Mm. warrior-esque or anything. It doesn't change who I am dynamically. um, But it might change the way people think about me when they first meet me. But that's Mm. (laughs) what I feel.
1: That's a good word. I'm glad you've used it today, reclaiming.
0: Mm, Yeah. Yeah.
1: It takes time and it's gonna, I mean, time is concept, we understand that, but we'll need more lunar cycles and uh, seasons to continue this practice of reclaiming and um, embodiment.
0: Full embodiment, yeah. Yeah, and I think that, like, I guess one of the things I want to get across, I think that's really important to our listeners, and and I would love to hear what your thing is, but, like, actually, let's go with you first. Okay. question is, what what, what words of advice or wisdom, I would just say instead of advice, let's say wisdom, what words of wisdom do you have for our listeners around being embodied?
1: It is an understanding pursuit more than uh, something to complete or to just do. It, again, requires uh, being and knowing oneself in ways that may be uncomfortable or challenging. So my advice would be to do it um, and then don't do it. Um, I think when I make recommendations moving forward, it's always gonna be about um, not doing like a 10 day challenge consecutively or a 30 day challenge, maybe do two or three days and then two or three days off of whatever practice that you believe is helping you to grow your confidence and embodiment, or grow your understanding of your wellness practice. Be okay with the pause and the settle. Be okay with the um, the moments during the journey when you feel um, that the progress is slow. I, I um, um, would recommend, after doing and stopping, uh, maybe asking for a peer or someone that you trust to activate with you, or to, if not in a partnership or unison, to at least Y'all can be open or receptive to sharing feedback and helping each other along the way. Um, a lot of my positive learning and most impactful learning has happened um, consciously and unconsciously with other people around and um, being shaped and informed by their, um, their journey. And yeah, I think that's a really good springing. Uh, being empowered to go deeper and then opening oneself up to uh, asking for help so that the deep dive doesn't because you're gonna need to be outfitted and and I don't mean with clothing and dress you're gonna need resources you're gonna need encouragement and reminders and sometimes the collective can outfit you in ways that you can't imagine by yourself. <clears throat>
0: I like that. So, I think for the listeners to give a little bit of wisdom about embodiment, I love the idea of like realizing that this is a the process, and there's really no end to it. And that there's going to be so many ebbs and flows of times of being one way and then being another. And I want to give the wisdom to have fun with it, to Mm. realize that like living life is fun, to Mm. bring in the joy, to bring in the play, to bring in the sensual nature, to bring in that ability to really be with yourself and feel safe with yourself. Cause I love this concept that we started off with safeness, right? Mm-hmm. Like I am safe because I am me. I am love. I am safety for myself. And then realizing that I think when we, when a person decides to be fully embodying themselves, there is a part of that act where you end up becoming revolutionary. Mm. You end up becoming a spokesperson for embodying yourself for someone else. People are going to have questions. People are not going to understand. People are not going to like it. People are going to think you're weird. People are going to have all the things. But people are going to think that about you if you embody yourself or you don't. Mm. And I think that by having fun, enjoying who you are, and embodying who you are in this moment, and realizing that it's all temporary, right? So what you embody as yourself today doesn't have to be who you embody yourself tomorrow. So it's not a serious endeavor, but it's a very serious endeavor. (laughs) Definitely. You know, like, it's not like, oh, my God, this is going to be me permanently. But it's like, oh, my God, I need to make this serious because this is me now. And that's all we have in this moment is now, and to step into that moment with joy, fun, sensuality, understanding life is temporary, and understanding that when you do this work, you are taking on the role of an activist. Mm. People are gonna ask Mm. questions, people are going to notice. There are some times, and I don't want to talk to anyone about my appearance, but it never stops because I'm not, maybe that day, like maybe I don't feel like talking to people about my appearance, but I'm going to be wearing my three eyed sunglasses when I go out. And eventually (laughs) someone's going to ask me something about my third eye. And you'd be surprised how many, I'm doing air quotes right now. Normal looking people are walking around and ask me about my third eye. One guy asked me, he's like, Oh, He's like, you have, uh, you're covering your third eye with your sunglasses. He's like, does this mean you're going to tell me my future? And I said, no, you're going to use your third eye and figure out your own future.
1: Mm.
0: (laughs) And he, and so, and you know, all these times, all these moments, it's like, just by embodying who I am there, because I am an activist there are these small moments that I meet these random people that I'll never talk to again. And I have these really interesting conversations.
1: Mm. And it should be a, a a determined step that you take. And if you do decide to step backwards, it's to settle and reclaim. It's mm -hmm. to breathe. It's to embrace. It's to help your, your, your vessel return to homeostasis it's a process you're right it's it's worthwhile it's it's frustrating but yeah i hope it's a determined step that we all are taking forward
0: yeah yeah and it's a one small act of activism that has a very impactful nature um and it's over time and it's staying in your space and staying embodied and people believe people when you are true to yourself more people believe you no matter what that truth is especially if you continue to be able to embody yourself over time begins to people begin to see that you're like this is who you are they're like oh okay yeah this is really who you are
1: Mm.
0: so i wanted to as always bring it back to the plants and we but the listeners might not know this, but sometimes we talk a little bit before we do the podcast and we both picked the same plant today because we've both been dieting the same plant or dieting, mm-hmm. immersing ourselves in the same plant. I try not to use the word diet anymore. Dieta is really where it comes from, but direct translation from that. But I've been working on using the word plant immersion because I'm immersing myself in this entity and this being and allowing a creative co-creative process happen with our biochemical nutrients, sharing messages and changing the landscape within my body. And both you and I have been working on the same plant. And that plant is germ
1: <laughs> Burdock, Burdock
0: root. Yay. <laughs> So tell me why you love Burdock Root, why it makes you feel embodied, and please tell the juicy details.
1: <laughs> I first uh, was introduced to Burdock Root through uh, April's um, Herbs our Teachers um, online program and afterwards made it um, a habit to Ah, uh, return to the local co-op and buy uh, by the ounce. Um, return burdock to my apothecary. It is a pleasant herb to uh, um, uh, you can infuse it with water overnight or throughout the day and benefit. With the herb solo, or you can blend it, um, I notice that it has a taste which isn't as earthy as one would assume, and if one does notice the earthy tones, I think it registers to me as like a sweet, hinty um, hints of like sweetness and. I don't know, I really love it when I drink it alone. It's one of my favorite single brew when I'm um, making herbal infusions night or day. it. Um, I'll let you uh, highlight the, um, the molecular and the bio-nutrients, um, but I do know in a simple um, experience with it that it helps me feel... Uh, especially after um, managing food cravings, it helps me want to lean towards acidity less, and you know, like it makes me want to uh, eat the snack foods less and enjoy um, more alkaline foods and more um, smoothies and fruits and vegetables. Uh, it it my body reacts to it. As a cleansing herb and uh, it gives and makes me feel more energetic uh, afterwards to the point that I notice arousal and um, yeah sometimes the confidence that I'm able to transfer with after uh, drinking uh, burdock root it's it's I don't know it's lovely I, I, I try not to drink it daily because I'm starting to think that it may be an aphrodisiac for my body.
0: Uh, and why isn't it uh, aphrodisiac for you?
1: Yeah, it, it definitely triggers arousal. It makes me um, think about sexual thoughts. It makes me want to act on my sexual thoughts. And uh, sometimes my day doesn't um, make for <laughs> sexy time or <laughs> sensualness. Um, But sometimes my body does call for um, a herbal remedy for, um, again, we're not trying to promote diets or detoxes or cleanse, but it has its constituents, it has the herbal energetics to gently um, remove impurities from our bodies. Is that correct?
0: Yes, it's an alternative.
1: And tell us more about your affinity for burdock root lately or of all time.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So burdock root is one of my favorite plants for embodiment and really returning back to the essence of who I am. Um, it is a plant that is sweet and oily and slightly bitter. It is an alternative, and alternatives mean that it's a cleansing herb. And when you hear of an herb as being an alternative, you're looking into figure out if there's an affinity for an organ system or a system in the body. And it has an affinity for the. Um, it has an affinity for the blood, and the liver, and the small intestines. So really being able to cleanse out from the inside out. So when I notice my acne or if I have any like skin conditions that are happening, I'll reach for burdock root. If I feel as though I've eaten and I haven't been as clean as I want to or as similar to Daryl, if I'm wanting to just continue to stay on the healthy train and I'm starting to feel myself wanting to have all these random cravings. I'll reach for burdock root because that is what really kind of um, associates the, the cravings. And I think having a little bit of the sweetness of the earth. To me, I think burdock root smells and feels like if like you had fresh laundry detergent, not like Mm. the fragrances that you smell not like the lavender of the natural ones or anything but like that fresh air but not overly Mm. perfumey but it has that like fresh it's just such like a fresh scent in it reminds me as if like when I drink the herb as if it's going in and like scrubbing away at all the insides and like moving all the things and just kind of like eliminating out through my bowel movements, any impurities and letting go. Matthew Wood states that it's one of the herbs that uh, it's a bear medicine. So it's one of the herbs that a bear will dig up when it first comes out of hibernation in spring. And it's a biennial plant, which means it only lasts for two years, it's not even a perennial. But what happens is the first year it grows and it stays low to the ground and it gets these real billowy leaves that you actually are really soft that you could use to wipe your butt if you needed to if you were in nature after going to the bathroom. And I think that that has like a really good indication for how it cleanses into the intestinals, the small intestines, and it really helps with the bowel movements it's also oily an oily herb and that's really important for hormones and this might Mm -hmm. be why you're having like that increased like feeling of sensuality and increased um uh abilities of feeling a certain way because Mm -hmm. oil is what is needed in the body for all the cells to move hormones so like to have these like the thyroid and the pituitary and all of these hormones to be able to speak to one another, they move through the body in oil and in blood. And so oil is a really important aspect uh, for health. And uh, so it provides that oily nature in the body, which helps cleanse and helps connect these accesses of like um, these hormones, to be able to speak to one another. And to move and through the organ systems as it's supposed to. So I feel the same way. Oh, and I was talking about how it grows. So then in the first year, at the end of fall and autumn, you can harvest the root then. And it'll be a little bit sweeter. And then if Mm. you wait until the next year and you remember where it's at, you could be like that bear. And the bears will go and dig it up in spring. And it has a little bit more of the bitterness to it and the take the, they eat the root and it helps jumpstart their, their systems again. It's one of those herbs that cleans out the sluggishness, cleans out the old, old shit, basically from winter and eating and, and, you know, eating whatever you want, the bears and, or just like hibernating. They don't actually really sleep, but anyway, cleanses them out and then they're moving forward and then they're starting, they're going to start eating all these bitter greens and other bitter herbs to, um, restore themselves. So Matthew Wood states that this is medicine that restores you to your original blueprint of health. And I feel like the original blueprint of our health Mm. is so tied into our sensuality, into our hormones, into the pituitary gland, into our sensual sexual natures, because There's this idea of, like, you know, using that aspect of ourselves and to feel healthy and to alive and to feel vitality and to be vibrant. Um, it's all interconnected. And so I think Burdock Root really lends itself for handing over that capability of being able to be embodied and cleansing out all the toxicity and things that don't really belong to you that you might have consumed over the many years and help shed away those old layers so that you Mm -hmm. can become that version of yourself that's original and rediscover and reclaim what that even actually means so that you can Mm. explore that and embody that and then push it out into the world as for the world to see as you see fit. Wow boom burdock
1: root (laughs) (laughs) i didn't know that um so thank you for educating me on burdock root it's um one of my uh most important uh herbs right now that i'm working with and trying to get to know
0: likewise i love that herb Oh, man, the herbal world, it's so magical. The plants are just like, every time, I just am like, in awe. I just can't, I just can't even, I I feel like I have words, but I don't have words. So, we always do a quote, and I want to hear your quote. What is it today?
1: Yes, I will pull it up. Going to the page. Okay. I am quoting from uh, medium.com. This was published by Non-White Works, October 16th, 2017. It's a two-minute read, but I'm only going to quote text that, uh, that I noticed that was in bold. It says, The Black imagination is much less recognizable, accessible, or defined because it can only exist without compromise within the territory of individual Black identified bodies whose lived experiences are often overlooked, dismissed, or ignored. Um, I am trying my best to imagine more and uh, truly. Be fearless with um, my imagining. So uh, that short piece online helped to nudge me forward in the direction of um, not uh, shying away from being creative, even if the creative expression is just an exercise for me to understand techniques of craft or the science of the work that I'm doing.
0: I love it. And can you read it one more time? Because it is very full.
1: Yes, the black imagination is much less recognizable, accessible or defined because it can only exist without compromise within the territory of individual black identified bodies whose lived experiences are often overlooked, dismissed, and or ignored
0: Hmm. thank you
1: what quote do you have for us today
0: so my quote today comes from Lao Tzu a Hmm. Chinese philosopher um who he wrote the Tao Te Ching The Tao Mm -hmm. is basically just translates to the way. And this is one of my favorite philosophical um, texts. I'm really into martial arts. So this was one of those texts that was really, that's really important to me. And it's about um, self-examination and it goes, knowing others leads to wisdom, knowing the self, Leads to enlightenment. Mastering others requires force. Mastering the self calls for inner strength.
1: Mm. That's beautiful. It resonates.
0: Yeah. As always, Drew, I love you so much. Thank you for.: I love you, April. with me.
1: <laughs> thank you for helping me explore embodiment outside of my head. I mean, metacog- Megna, what is it? Metacognition recognition? That's when you're thinking about what you're thinking. So uh, to be able to think about what I've been thinking about aloud, and it really makes it something to be curious about and not to be afraid about. So thank you.
0: You're welcome and thanks to our listeners as always we've been really enjoying your support and your feedback and we wanted to go live on live feed but we realized that Dereal needs a laptop so <laughs> let's make that happen let's make, let's make that happen let's get you a laptop and um but we just want to give I want to give, and I know Darrell feels the same way, so I'm just going to say we in this, in this one moment, is that we want to give our infinite gratitude for sticking around with us, listening to the podcast, sharing the podcast with friends. It means so much to us because we have decided to do this and not worry about perfection and to just show up and just be real and raw and like really discuss what it means to have a relationship with the plants and the world. And so we give so much gratitude. We would love to hear back from you on your embodiment techniques, maybe even where you feel like you haven't been able to embody yourself. Where have you felt oppression? Where have you been able to overcome oppression? And maybe also, even if you feel called to just tell a little bit about what you're working on to work in your embodiment and, I can speak for myself in this only. Um, Daryl, you can confirm if, after I say this, but I'm always available if you need to shoot me a message and want to talk to me about any of the topics we are discussing uh, because I think that it's so important for us to be accessible to the listeners as well because there's so much we can all learn from one another. And I personally feel similar to Dereal, where I am a student of life and I am just in awe, every day I am in awe of the amazing human people, amazing human beings out there creating, being authentic and just expanding the world and with their activism of being here and being who they are every day without fail. Um, so thank you and I'm open to any discussions.
1: Absolutely. Feel uh, encouraged to reach out to us, Blackwith Plants on Instagram, Antler Alchemy on Instagram.
0: Yeah. All right. So, again, thank you. Love you. Love, love everybody listening. Ciao. Peace and
1: love. Ciao.